episode of Truth with Ruth. My name is Ruth Ruckel, and today I'm with my friend Sophia. Hey, what's up? Yeah, make sure you talk. You have such a soft, sweet voice. Make sure you talk into that microphone. I will. It's been a while. I I don't know what series in my podcasting I'm going to air this episode, but I have taken a brief break from recording. Just, I think there's a little apathy in me for 2020. (laughs) just took it out of me yeah, man. and I feel like enough people has asked when I am going to start recording again even if I only have four listeners those four people would like to hear what I have to say yes it's all good <laughs> so I'm recording and for those of you who don't know my intro did you know that that's Gifty's husband John no yeah. I love that so much. He, oh, he, it's so good. He made the whole intro for me and recorded it, and he's got his own special talent up there in Sacramento. So, Dude. I know. That's, like, super cool. I know. So, awesome. shout out to John Edwards. What's up? <laughs> anyway, I'm excited because I actually just found an archived uh, episode with my friend Bethany. So, Bethany did an episode on uh, overcoming porn addiction. And it was probably one of the most powerful episodes I aired. And I think it it's powerful, first of all, because a woman is talking about being addicted to porn, which right. normally we never hear that. Right. And then second of all, just Bethany's a great communicator. So I found one today when I was going through my archives on uh, hiding. I didn't, I didn't have it titled until now, but hiding um, basically how in church we love to cover up sin. Right. Instead of deal with it and confront it. And I don't mean confronting it in like a shameful way. Mm-hmm. I mean, confronting it in an honorable way. Um, I And I, in the episode, I did preface a lot that it's not every church that does this. It is not mutually exclusive to church only, but in mm-hmm. the Christian community, we tend to um, usually deal with sin based off of guilt and shame. Right. Like if I can shame you into obedience... Um, you won't do that again, and right. I won't look bad. Right. Um, so we did a whole episode on that, so I was kind of excited. I felt like, oh, God, I'm going in the right direction because I called up Sophia and I asked, hey, would you like to come do a podcast on um, walking through guilt and shame? Right. And she goes, sure. <laughs> and then she's like, I don't know, how are we going to navigate this? And so I, I, I think that – we're too, I love processing, so we're two good people to process through, because we're both, both Sophia and I are very strong personalities. We're um, very independent, but interdependent women. Mm. We can stand on our own two feet. We oftentimes are misjudged because of our ability to be vocal and have an opinion and care and be passionate. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people mistake our passion for... I don't know, anger or whatever, but it's really not. We're just passionate. Right. And um, I think that because of that growing, I know for myself, I'll talk about myself and then you can kind of 
you know, chime in. I know for myself that growing up in a lot of religion versus relationship, what we now know is the thing that is sustainable. It was, things were very taboo to talk about. Right. Things were taboo. So if I was disciplined or I was punished or I was, it was literally, well, Ruthie, you shouldn't do this. Well, Ruthie, this is bad. Well, you know, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times I have been met by an adult um, or someone in leadership who wanted to manage me. And recently, that's one of the lies that I found out. In my like one of the lies I was believing in my life was that I needed to be managed mm. because so many times I've heard I we don't know how to handle you we right. don't know how to manage you and so I took that as man that so then immediately guilt like what did I do wrong mm. I I go to that place of because my heart is to honor people my heart is as strong of a person, as strong as a woman of a woman as I am, I always want to make sure that my response to you is honoring. My my attitude towards you is going to honor you. And I don't have honor all worked out. I'm working on that. <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> I will sacrifice my heart's desires to honor someone. And I don't necessarily think that that's right. That's a whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. But I will do that. And God's dealing with that too. But just the fact that I'm 43 years old and I'm having the revelation that I actually don't have to be managed. That is a lie I have believed my whole life from every form of leadership and adult based off of the way that they have chosen to handle me versus invite me into um, relationship and invite me into conversation about disagreements or whatever perceived wrong behavior I don't really know so I carried around a lot of guilt and shame um, for being a big personality right because I'm and it was funny I was on a coaching call today and we were just talking um, Craig was talking about the tall poppy syndrome in Australia Mm. how they will actually cut poppies to be the same height so that one isn't taller than another kind of like he, he was talking about how jealousy will do that. Mm. It will cut people. They they will cut you down so that your the bigness of who you are is not does not rise above themselves. Mm. And I'm like, man, I I can see that. And I I don't know if I'm going to equate it all to jealousy per se, but I mean maybe it is. I don't have it all worked out. I just know, I feel like this podcast today is speaking to people who have really big personalities, um, who have really um, opinion, are opinionated, are confident. Um, A lot of times guilt and shame works its way in, honestly, to destroy your confidence. Do you feel like that is, for, for you in your life, do you feel like, and can you kind of talk to how you have experienced um, over the years guilt, like just feeling guilty for who God made you, working its way, someone using that to work its way into squash your confidence in life. Oh, like 1,050% totally. So for me, I would say that I can see all the way back into my story. Um even as a kid, just like this 
I was definitely like this free-spirited, beautiful, beautiful kid who was all about like Jesus and like wanted just everyone to know and definitely like looked at very differently, um, even within my church uh, to, man, like I just see like where I just, I had like a very vibrant personality, like even in my home life. Like, I was told, like, I talked too much by my mom often because um, I just, like, wanted to just talk and, and just connect with people. And I wanted people to see something, whether it was how beautiful Jesus's love for them was or or how beautiful they were. Like, and just that got shut down so hard as a kid. And, you know, experiences, like, in my life also definitely at that time like I can see like strategically like where the enemy like wanted to bring even like shameful things into my life and to introduce like shameful things uh, to get me to think that there was something like wrong with me and the way that I um, handled certain experiences that were put on me as a as a kid um, that really it was the responsibility of the people in my life to protect me. But instead, like I took that on and I can see where in leadership, like even too, like there's just, I've always been told like um, in relationships and in leadership that I'm like a, like overly passionate or like a force to be reckoned with. I've um, heard that. Yeah. yeah. Like I've been described as like an ocean sometimes too, like my emotions are like just too big or that I'm overly emotional in the way that I, I speak or lead even as a worship leader. And definitely like that's made me feel like, oh man, like, okay, like what's wrong with me? How do I rein this in? But it's also caused conflict within me because I know like, no God, like you're doing something. You, you're the one who like brought that about. And like, I actually feel like there is a place for it. So that that's definitely been a huge part of my story. I know I'm being very vague right now. That's okay. But yeah, definitely experienced it all throughout, all throughout. And more recently too, like, you know, going through right now, I'm going through a divorce and spent 10 years of my life in a relationship where the person that was closest to me took everything about me and, and shamed me for it and made me feel like something was wrong with me. And I lived that way and agreed with that person. Definitely can see breaking out of that and like God bringing me out of that mindset has opened my eyes to see where I've agreed in many different relationships all through my life and said, yeah, there is something wrong with me when really there wasn't anything wrong with me. It was just that person didn't know what to do with me. Right. And even, uh, even to take it a little, a little bit further than that, it's not even, it's not even so much that person knew exactly what to do with you because the enemy understood how to squash the gifting inside of you. Yeah. And that's oftentimes, um, when people are heavily attacked and heavily persecuted, um, and sitting under an immense amount of guilt and shame, most of the time what I've noticed is that there is a big gifting and a big calling on their life. Um, that, like, I know for myself, for instance, and, I and like, when I'm talking about guilt and shame, like, hear, don't hear what I'm not saying. I like to say that a lot because I'm not saying that our parents purposefully, when they raise us, are like, oh, how can I make my daughter less than she right. was? Or how can I – I'm – going to shame her so that she conforms into who I think she is going to be. What I think happens is 
and, and I'll talk a little bit more about this. I think what happens is instead of asking God who my kid is, I, I tell God who I want them to be. Right. And then I parent them from who I think that they need to be. And that can plant my small thinking for my kids and, and, or my parents small thinking for me, because right. We, we don't have the capacity to think as big as Jesus thinks. Um, so it's like, my small thinking for my kids then plants seeds of doubt in the mm. bigness of who God says they are in the long run, right? right. And so mm. from a really young age, for me, it was, um, you. I, I got the same thing. You talk too much, Ruthie. You shouldn't be saying those things at this point. And, and mm-hmm. I would, because I was one of the loudest also in my family, I would catch the most flack mm. for different things. And because I was just, I think I've always been a pretty vulnerable person, just like honest and vulnerable, obviously, hence the name Truth with Ruth. But that's who God made me. Like he made me, the core of who I am is truth. Right. Right. And so if the enemy wants to come in and screw that up, well, then he is going to plant a seed at a very young age to tell me that, hey, the truth that you speak is not appropriate. It, mm-hmm. This setting, it is not for this setting. You need to stop talking. You can't say things like that. You shouldn't do that. And I'm going to be like, oh, man, I start to feel bad. And then I I guard my mouth, which I'm not saying that it's not good to be mindful and thoughtful of what you're saying. Right. But we are in such a day and age that we're more concerned about offending someone with what we say than provoking truth in an atmosphere. And so it's taken me a lot of years to get to the point where I am absolutely okay. And I'm telling you, so this thing has followed me even into marriage. Like Orion and I have been married 21 years relationship for three years prior. Um, so we have a lot of history together, but I will tell you what, like even, even in parts of our marriage, I mean, Orion. So what happened was I had these parents that have this idea of who I need to be, Mm -hmm. even though they know like you're one of a kind, you're all these things. And then because that thing is now that thing's inside of me, right. Mm -hmm. It's following me. I, every relationship from there on out perpetuates rejection, perpetuates, uh, which rejection perpetuates guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in this forever. Like I can never do anything right. I can never say the right thing that literally follows me. I mean, I had a pastor one time sit me down and tell me that the way that I dressed caused men to stumble and that I needed to change. I needed to change all of the clothing I wore. And I, what I felt so much shame in that moment, right. like, oh my gosh, my, the way that I am made and listen, I did not dress super provocative, but I had, I was big busted and my mom. So what happens is then my mom comes into agreement doing, trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. trying to love me well, mm-hmm. buying me all new clothes. But that just came into agreement with that pastor, right? So our good intentions oftentimes come into agreement with the wrong spirit. Right. Okay. So there's that. I change myself 
the pastor was the one having an affair with someone in the church. Mm. So his hidden sin was, was being projected yeah. on me. Yeah. And I then took away the guilt and shame from his sin because heaven forbid he have to deal with it. Right. It silenced me. It it took me out in that season. And then I moved. Like I will tell you, I moved through part of my adult life, like hating my body. Like never liking the way that I look, never feeling confident confident and comfortable in my skin. Um, those are things that they they're deep, deep, deep rooted within you at that mm. point. Uh, and so, and God is so awesome because he gives you girls to redeem mm -hmm. in that relationship, yeah. what was broken in the one that you had. Like I got a chance having my daughters to fight, um, for their, for, for them, you know, to fight for, to not have all of, like my kids have always gone through private school and what I've noticed is that religion, as much as we, we talk about, oh, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. We want to gather all together. We also love to tear each other down. Right. <laughs> and we also love not to accept responsibility for our own actions. Um, I remember my daughters being in private school and they their shirts, you have to button them all the way to the top. I'm like, why? Well, so that the boys don't stumble because the, they're going to cause the boys to stumble. Right. And mm. I said, so is the problem that my dot, the way that my daughter is designed or is the problem that we're not dealing with the hearts of our boys? Help me understand that. Right. Because m there's nothing wrong with m the physical makeup of my daughter. But what you're trying to do is not deal with the hearts of the boys by covering up the girls. Exactly. I said, that's never going to solve the problem that you're after. I'm pretty sure that they didn't love what I said, but I said, I'm not going to allow you to put guilt and shame on my girls yeah. for the way that God made them yeah. because of your inability as a leader to deal with the hearts of young men. Yeah. Period. So, good. so I've gotten a chance as a mother to walk through these things. I know for me, practical things that I did, um, when I had girls and when I recognized that, Oh, I in fact deal with so many, body shaming issues and things like that. Uh, I stopped getting magazines. I stopped internet. Well, internet wasn't a thing when I had my babies. <laughs> it's definitely I know some of you that. listening yeah, are so probably hard. like, what's a magazine? Right. And I'm like, yes, mm -hmm. and I'm not even that old, but <laughs> technology has come so far. It, yep. I, I made a conscious decision to watch how I talked about myself, mm. um, to think about, I, how and and my girls will catch me now. My oldest India, she'll catch mom. Stop it, mom. You're beautiful, um, because you know as you get older, your body changes again, right? And you have to yeah. go through all of it again. You think, oh, I'm done. Nope. Here we go again, women. And this podcast isn't unique just for women. I just happen to be a woman. I'm sure there's plenty of men that deal with the same stuff. Uh, but but yeah, I, I made conscious decisions, even though I didn't know that I needed freedom in certain areas. Like I hadn't been introduced to the idea of deliverance or inner healing or any of those things. I just knew practically there was things that I could do. Like I could choose not to look at images that made me feel bad about myself. Yeah, I could choose to say positive things and reinforce my daughter's and build confidence in them, even if it didn't exist in me. Right. So we did a lot of those things in our home. And I think that 
eventually when you pursue relentlessly pursue Jesus, he gets a hold of you at some point and starts to deal with all, all the little things. Yeah. But I mean, can you tell in your own life like how how the planted seeds of guilt and shame manifested themselves in every relationship that you had and what that looked like? You don't have to tell everyone, every relationship, yeah. but just like, what did, main, how did that, in your main relationship, how did that manifest itself? Because the reason you married that person was to take you out and you didn't even know it. Like yeah. that's what the enemy did. Yeah, absolutely. Like I can see, you know, just, I, I can look at like, so obviously like in my, my romantic relationship and my marriage, like I, I looked to that person for the strengths that they had. And I actually looked at that person for how they viewed themselves a lot of times because um, I just, I was like, yeah, like I think you're great and you think you're great. Um, I want to feel like that about me. Right. And I was, I was definitely like, I mean, I was 20 when I met this person. So I was like on the, the verge of getting there for sure. But um, what I did what I can see over and over again, like not just in my like romantic relationships, but in the relationships that I had in friendships and the relationships that I had um, just correlating to like my parents, my mom in particular. um, And then even into like certain leadership roles and the, the connections that I had within the church, like the thing that that was consistent was I was always trying to win this person's approval of me. I, I, was always looking for their pat on the back or their, um, where I'm a words of affirmation person. So it makes total sense, um, that I would seek words of affirmation to just get this, um, security within myself to know like, Oh, I am okay. There's nothing wrong with me. That's always what I was looking for in relationships. And unfortunately the people that I always found myself in when I was seeking those approving relationships were people who would actually, actually do the opposite and actually like, um, find ways to, to feed my doubt even further and to keep me away from the truth that I was already approved of. It wasn't until, I mean, really like, I I love what you said, because like, Jesus loves us so much. Like I've known Jesus my whole life, but I've had like such a messy relationship with him, obviously. Um, but I can see like his pursuit of me and like just really like at the perfect time to like just reveal like his heart for me, like of that approval already being there for me. And um, I think the reality was, is I, I was kind of stuck in a pattern of that approval seeking that kept me from even receiving that approval that was already there for me to have like the whole time, yeah, you know? And so I can see like where that me giving into me aligning myself with the idea that something's wrong with me, right? Like, I mean, I had, I, I have a lot of, of um, suffering throughout my story. I'm adopted. My mom was schizophrenic and that's, that was something I knew my whole life. When I was a kid, I had to take Ritalin, which was like a big thing in the 90s. Um, so every day I had to like leave my classroom and all my classmates would like look at me like legit, something's wrong with you. Like, why are you leaving to go take medicine? So like those are things that more recently have come up that I realize like God is breaking off these ideas that even as a little baby girl, like I, I was like, oh yeah, like I agree. Like there's something wrong with me, right? Like there yeah. must be. 
there wasn't any, there isn't anything wrong with me. Right. I am who God has made me to be, even with all of my story too. It's all, all the beautiful, like different patterns of my story and, and the weaving and even just his overcoming, like the themes of rejection in my life. Like I can see how that's led me to like the place that I am now. Right. Where as a mom, like I have three daughters, you know, too. And I get to like start new with them and like speak life to them and, and exam like exemplify that with them. And it's, it's so redemptive, so redemptive. Yeah. I mean, and even just looking at how having, having three daughters and, and even looking at just the portion of your story that you've shared, your romantic story that you've shared, um, walking through a divorce, like even how, if you, if the light hadn't have turned on for you, right in this season of your life, how the, the divorce could have taken out your daughters and made their story so much different than it's going to be because it it's almost like the enemy's like, Hey, let me perpetuate this pattern that's been going on in your life with this divorce. And I'm see, I got you. Ha ha. See, right. I'm wrecking, I'm wrecking their life. Ha yeah. ha ha. Just like I wrecked your life and yeah. it's not going to change. Yeah. But what changed, um, was you. And when did that light come on for you? I definitely, I don't really know. Like, I feel like it's God's like constantly reminding me because like the enemy, the one thing that he wants to like is like, oh, like it's not supposed to be like this, right? Right. See, it's like this. See, you're you're in a deficit. Like l- literally like this week he was trying to get me with that. Like where that is the place where then if I start believing that, if I start agreeing with that, which it is true, it's not supposed to be like this. It's right. not supposed to look like this. However, it does look like this and God's not surprised. Right. God's not left. <laughs> The situation. Really? He's not shocked? <laughs> He's not shocked. Coming? <laughs> He's not shocked by it. He actually is going to use it for the benefit of my daughters to see his redemption in their life. Right? right. And me as a mom, like, no, like this isn't, this isn't the, the plan that I wanted for them. I wanted my babies to have the perfect, the perfect life. That's what you want when you have kids, you know, like you right. just want them to have everything. But I made just a promise to the Lord like a long time ago that like the same way that Hannah like you know turned over Samuel to the Lord for the Lord's will in his life that's how I feel about my kids and so it's just like I have to trust that God is gonna like redeem this right and he is he is my daughters like are are so resilient like through this process you know they're four and then they're I have two twins who are 18 months old and my four-year-old talks about, you know, just her emotional intelligence level. I'm like, okay, God, cool. We're, we're going, we're going in a good direction here. Like where she understands that the environment that we were in was not good. She understands that the way that she talks to herself. I mean, she's so confident. Like I want her confidence because you ask her like, or literally she said this, like, like I'll, I'll tell her like, Aria, you're so beautiful. She's like, I know. You know, and I'm just like, and she's quiet. She's usually quiet most of the time, but I mean, she talks to you and stuff. She's a chatty Kathy with me. She's so, (laughs) she just really genuinely (laughs) believes it. And I think that that's a a testament to what God has done, even through the brokenness that she's witnessed. Like she, she gets to see like the truth, you know, and just like where it's like that, that is everything for me as a mom. Like, because at the end of the day, 
the best thing that I can give my kids is Jesus. Right. Right. And so like to know and to, to know the authority that I have as a mom too, to declare over them, like, no, the enemy's not going to get a hold of their story the way that, that he did me to lie to them. Cause I'm, Jesus is making me different right, right now, you know? And so like, I get to give them a new mom literally every day I wake up, I'm, I'm filled with new mercy. Right. So I may have messed up yesterday, but I can like wake <laughs> up the next day and like, and, and Someone, just, Hey, I feel like roll I don't want to roll over that. Someone needs to hear that. Who's going to be listening to this podcast. That's a really powerful statement that his mercies are new every morning. Yes. I may have messed up yesterday, because that that could take someone out. Right. I messed up yesterday, so I'm just disqualified. Yeah, period. no, no, no. That's I, I literally had my... So, because, you know, I'm a mom and I'm under a lot of stress. So that stress gets to me. I get overwhelmed. And the reality is, is that that never takes me out. Like, that, that doesn't disqualify me from who God has called me to be. Not as a mom, not as a daughter, not as even right now as a wife, right? Like all these things that I've, these roles or these titles that I've found my identity in, the greatest one that I have found like is in being a daughter of, of the most high God. And so knowing that like he loves me and he picks me up every morning and he like, I just, I have this picture of like, you were, I think praying this or something last week, but like that God is just, he really is like making his bride spotless. Yeah. And like that work, it's not like, it's not like if you're, I'm a wedding photographer, so forgive me for this beautiful picture. But like when you see a bride on a wedding day, most of the time for me as a wedding photographer, I'll see if she's walking around and we're taking photos and there's like little things on her dress, right? I will see them. She doesn't necessarily see them unless I start pointing them out, but it's not her job necessarily to like reach down. Sometimes she can't even reach down to clean her dress. That's my job. Like, so I'll come over and I'll, I'll just like delicately pull things out and, and kind of do that. And I just get that picture of Jesus. That's, that's what he's doing. Like he, he's not going to let us like walk around with these things that hold us back from seeing ourselves as radiant and beautiful and gorgeous. And, you know, just, just all the things that he's made us to be, he's not going to let us walk around like that with our head held down. Like you never see a bride walking around with her head down. You see her, her head lifted up and, and people are like, wow, you're beautiful. And like, congratulations. That's what you see on a wedding day. And so I don't know. I just get that picture of like us, me, when I'm waking up in the morning, my hair's a mess and <laughs> my kids are. Uh, that is a beautiful, no, I love it. That's a really beautiful analogy. And there's something else that, that I think is really um, powerful that you said too when, before you segued into that, which was all of the names that I've found my identity in apart from Jesus, right? Apart from daughter of the King, um, his beloved, all of the, all of that. Um, I think that that also plays a huge part, in, you know, some of the names I would call myself obviously would be mother and daughter and wife and, minister, all of the things. And when our identity is rooted in the names that other people call us, mm. not bad names, like those good. aren't bad yeah. names. Those are good names. There's always going to be a level of failure right. attached to all of that. Yeah. Um, and it's always going to mess with our head because again, if we don't 
remember that his mercies are new every morning and we have our identity so deeply rooted in any one of those things. Like if my identity was only as a mother and my kids are not necessarily living lives that I would want them to live, like I wouldn't choose this for my kid. Well, then I could be taken out by that because oh, I'm such a bad mom. Right. Where did I screw up? What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, I didn't, I never good enough. So there enters guilt and shame. But because I understand who Jesus says I am and I understand what he, the call he has on my, my personal life. Um, and I understand where he's taking us and what he's called us to do. I also understand the opposition that there is against my family and my kids. And instead of reading my identity in being a mom or being a wife because also you know as wives gosh how many times we feel let down by our husbands they say the wrong thing and they are they're insensitive and they don't know how to love us well or whatever we do the same for them and then fail yeah fail yeah it's like oh I'm taking out but when my when I learned and when God walked me through the process and so I'm going to say that it is a long process but it's always connected to what you're asking God for. And my ask was teach me how to love Mm -hmm. my identity. I'm no longer like everything else can go, can fade. We run a ministry. Abide could end tomorrow. I would still know who I was. Yeah. I would still be a powerful woman of God doing what I am doing in a, in that, like what I was doing in abide, I would still do it in my normal life, wherever God took me. It would not matter. My identity is not built around what I'm doing. So therefore I don't have, uh, it doesn't have the ability to have a hold on me and create failure for me. Absolutely. Period. Yeah. So that is something else that we need to address too, is what have you guys listening put your identity in that is creating a basis for guilt and shame in your life and then how how do you get out from under that I know for me it was obviously recognizing it I'm sure for you too Sophia recognizing it oh I've actually taken my identity out of Christ and put it here right which it happens in different seasons for sure it's normal but once you have the understanding of what you're doing it's like oh okay Help me walk over to this side, God, and replay, you know, re-put my identity in you so that I can be all that you've asked me to be without the the criticism of the world, the criticism of, of people, of man, of kids, of whatever. Um, so, And that I, I would say like, so looking at like the last, if we just look at the last three years of like my life and my journey, that has been you know, when you get the rug pulled out from underneath you, which is what happened in my marriage, kind of. Um, I say kind of because I think like I knew altogether that it just something was going on and off. But just having where it's like, oh man, like, you know, I can't find my security in this fam. Like, so I'm adopted. I always wanted a family of my own. Always wanted kids. Wanted to have that security. And when I got married, whether it was we were thriving or not, I felt a piece of that. I felt like, okay, like I'm good. I can take a deep breath for a second. I have a family. And so getting that stripped away from me, having that like just turned completely on its head and losing all of that, the way, the the picturesque, perfect looking family even though we were dying on the inside, right? Like losing that was like such a blow for me. Like I had to find my 
identity. I had to find my security somewhere else. And thank God that he was there like in that because as everything was falling apart, like I found that actually I have a place of belonging. I always have, right? you know, and in, in one of my favorite scriptures is like in John chapter 14, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he talks about like his leaving. Right. And he's saying, um, so it's John 14, one, and he's like preparing them for his like death and, and all of that. And he's like telling them, I go to prepare a place for you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Right. And so like that has been one of my favorite places to land, like in scripture to just meditate on and, yeah, and all of that too. So I like what you, um, I, I want to, I want to make sure people heard this too, that, um, and it was funny because, uh, I was talking to my daughter just yesterday, my oldest, uh, she's up in Reading doing a year of BSSM and, and the whole first year of BSSM is dealing with your identity. And so, you know, she calls me and she's, I'm gifty and I are processing through some stuff. She's like, you know, just can't articulate well. And, and then once we help work her through it, she's like, Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. And all of it is, I said, Hey, what did you, what have you been praying for? Well, I asked God to help me deal with this, this. I said, so right now you're in the middle of a big fat mess. It feels so messy and it feels so overwhelming. I said, you cannot forget what you've been asking God to deal with in your life. First of all, it was attached to her identity Mm -hmm. and her identity was in that. And God is trying to reposition her identity in him. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I couldn't even see. So if you're sitting in the middle of a big fat mess, whether it's a divorce, whether it's perfectionism, whether it's, um, not being, not feeling like you're a good enough mom or wife or, or significant other. If you're a guy, like whatever that looks like a lot of times, um, pause, take a pause and figure out what you have been pursuing God for what it is. Because I know for me, when I had asked him to teach me how to love, I kept getting put in all these scenarios that I was like, I don't want to, what is happening right now? Why am I in this? Like, what is going on? And God was like, didn't you ask me to teach you how to love? And Mm -hmm. I said, oh yeah. And he said, so why are you going to put me in a box? Mm -hmm. Because our limited scope of understanding puts God in, in, in really convenient boxes. Right. And he is the master of origami, like for real. Yeah. So it's just taught me like a lot of times when you're in the middle of a mess, it's really God redirecting your identity back to him because Mm -hmm. along the way somewhere unbeknownst to us, it's been placed improperly in something else. So be encouraged. If that's you, if you feel like you're in a mess, take a deep breath and take a pause and ask Holy Spirit to redirect you back to when that mess started mm-hmm. and then what you were praying at that time mm-hmm. so that you can get clarity on what your identity was wrongly placed in to bring you to that place of like, I'm uh, I'm not good enough and I'll never and just guilt and shame. And he can deliver you from it in an instant. He can give you a, a roadmap to move forward mm-hmm. um, into healing and wholeness. It doesn't happen overnight, and it does take renewing your mind every day. It does take waking up every day and making a conscious decision. I'm going to choose um, adoption. 
I'm yeah. going to choose to believe that I'm adopted. Yes. I'm going to choose to believe that his mercies are new every morning. Yes. I am going to choose to believe that he says this, this, and this. Declarations are amazing amazing things to help move you forward mm-hmm. into the destiny that, that God has for you. Yeah. So, yeah. so good. The one thing, too, that I'll share, like, that's helped me, too, to differentiate when I'm hearing the bombardment of, like, all these accusations is to know that guilt will always drive me to the foot of the cross. So knowing that I've done something wrong, I need to confess like and come to the Lord, right? Because he's the one who sees me. He's the one who who loves me. He's not ever going to do that in a way that's going to tear me down. Shame is the opposite. Shame will come on me and, and say, you are wrong. It's you. Like, there's something wrong with you. If you're ever thinking there's something wrong with you, that's a moment where you have to like just literally defy whatever that is and say, no, no, I'm, I'm created in the image of God. Right. He created me in his image and there's nothing wrong with me. Right. He's, he worked to make a way for me to come to him. And if I've, if I've done something wrong, like that's taken me out of connection with him in this moment that's okay he's got me he's gonna bring me back because it's him doing it it's holy spirit doing it it's not us trying to strive or or fight or or attain it ourselves right like we can't and so um just know that know that like if you've made a mistake or you've done something that you're not proud of there's nothing that can hold you back from the love of god nothing nothing Come on. Nothing. Come on. I like that. I don't want to add too too much more to that because I think that that's a good um, ending point. But just to bring it back around, yeah, pause. Ask Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you. Ask him to help you show, show ask him to help show you where your identity has been wrongly placed to allow guilt and shame to enter. Like Sophia said, understand that shame is an accuser. Mm -hmm. It is always going to accuse you. Guilt is going to draw you unto the Father, to repentance. And then be encouraged, you guys. It's a journey. Like like overcoming guilt and shame is a day-by-day journey with Jesus. Because just when you think that you have kicked it in the butt... (laughs) 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 something else happens and you're like oh the the encouraging if I can leave you with something encouraging the encouraging part is the the deeper your connection becomes with Jesus the quicker you recognize yeah and the faster you overcome and walk out of it and you don't even give it any attention because you know who you are you know who he says you are and there is nothing that can ever shake that inside of you so I hope that us just kind of processing through our own um, lifelong journeys of overcoming and recognizing, really, I mean, because there's so many years that we go through life, we don't even recognize it. Yeah. We just think this is normal. It's normal to feel this way about myself all the time. Doesn't everybody feel this way? Yes. And I'm just here to tell you it's not normal. Nope. 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 Not not the design. And confidence Uh -uh. is a beautiful thing. So yeah. if someone has told you, tried to squash your confidence because they need to feel bigger, nope. Confidence is Jesus. He was confident. Yeah. I don't think Jesus ever walked around like, oh, I'm sorry, I healed you. No. Yeah, like <laughs> I think I think sometimes we get 
we get meekness confused right with like hanging our head down right meekness is not it's very it's strong so strong it's yes. like one of the strongest attributes of god his gentleness just because he was gentle doesn't mean that he wasn't confident he right. knew who he was right and is. so confidence is beautiful own it and don't let anyone try to rob it from you um, and then declare his word over yourself. Yes. Like daily declare what he says about you in his word. Cause he also says his word will not return void. Yeah. So when you speak his word out over you and your circumstances and your situation, and even over the people that have tried to hold you back, like mm -hmm. have tried to squish you and squash you down. When you start to speak his word over them and bless them, I'm telling you what, dude, he will pour himself out on yes. you in such a mighty way no one will be able to deny what god is doing yeah. um, in and through you so amen we just bless you guys we love you thanks for tuning love in and i'm sure sophia will be back on another episode with something else because the people i have in my life have lots of amazing testimonies Sweet. so thanks for being here dude thanks for having me absolutely i love you and thanks for tuning in to this episode of truth with Ruth.